0: Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians for a few moments. I feel a series coming on, and so I'm just going to preach about one point or two points, not because of the Super Bowl, because there's a lot of people not here. I want wanted to hear the rest of this message, but I appreciate you being here. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because I know you're the cream of the crop, but I want to say this, you're not exempt from what I'm preaching on, and that's trouble, trouble. Uh, the devil will try to knock the breath out of you, Try to knock the smile off of your face and try to knock you out of church. We're in a warfare as I preached on. This morning I preached on the stewardship of um, blessings, uh, that God blesses us with uh, abilities and opportunities and we're gonna give account of what we do with those opportunities. And I believe with all my heart that sometimes we take for granted the blessings of God. And then tonight I wanna preach on the stewardship of of trouble, or why bad things happen to good people? I could rephrase that: why bad things happen to godly people? I mean, perfect will of God, serving God, and then bad things happen. And we know the the story of uh, Joseph. We know the story of Job, and both of them were godly men. And I, I we know the story of of Apostle Paul. A lot of people says, well, I believe he had sin in his life, and these TV evangelists said all, all uh, sickness and all prob- troubles caused by, by being out of the will of God. Well, I uh, beg to differ with them because Job was not out of the will of God. Right. And Joseph was definitely not out of the will of God. There's nothing negative mentioned about Joseph because he's a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. None. Nothing. Uh, and then also, uh, the apostle Paul was a great man of God. And he still had trials and trouble. Uh, we need to we need to pray that God would use the trouble for His glory, and not that He would get the, the devil would use it for His uh, story. That here's another Christian that's fell by the wayside. But why does bad things happen to good people? Why does bad things happen to godly people? Uh, why does um was Brother Gary born? With all these trials and troubles and and illnesses, and they and they really, uh, I found out this morning they really diagnosed that when he was seventeen, he he was sick from a child, and he battled that and battled that. Had a great attitude, a great spirit about him. But God used him in a special way because of the trouble. Let's stay in all the Word of God. I'll summarize the first three four verses. This is about the ministry. It says therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And so Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says that you're in the ministry, you shouldn't faint, and you shouldn't pass out. Did I say 1 Corinthians? Okay, 2 Corinthians. It's a good thing I didn't say Chronicles, or you'd be really thumbing through there. But look at verse 2. It says, But we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, and walk in craftiness, how the word of God deceitfully, but that manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so he says the first requirement of a uh, man of God and to be in the ministry is that you be honest and that you handle the word of God properly. I preached this morning to two preachers in South Africa, and uh, one of them's name was Matthew. I handled that one right. But the second one was M-X-O-L-I-S-A. And where that X was, I was supposed to click. So you know what I called him? Brother. Amen, and so, uh, but I got to preach in South Africa this morning for a while. But look at this, but if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. God uses the word of God, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God should shine unto them. And listen to this, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. If you're going to be in the ministry, you need to be humble. And realize it's not you, it's God. Look at verse six. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And here's the key for this whole passage. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And look at this. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In other words, knocked down, but not knocked out. And look at this, always bearing about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. Now here's the key. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us but life in you. We have this same spirit of faith. According to what written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. And it comes down to the last few verses and it talks about the place of suffering in the ministry. It says, for all things are for your sake. That the abundance of grace might be through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And here it is for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, thank God for that reality, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal. Weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you, dear God, for trouble. And God, I never thought we'd pray that, but Lord, thank you, God, for the chance to prove that you are able to sustain us and that you're real. And, dear God, help us to realize why good men of God like Brother Gary and good families of God and good daddies and good mamas uh, go through trouble. And God help us to not react but respond by the Spirit that they might see that we're just earthen vessels but you are the treasure within the vessel. And to God be the glory, you can get the glory even through our suffering. So Lord, help us not to question you, but God, help us to realize there's a purpose in everything that happens in our life. And God, we pray that you'd be glorified as we discover and yield to your purpose and your power, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I believe with all my heart that this passage of scripture would be a good, good sermon for preachers that are being ordained. We ought to be in the ministry honest, and we ought to be not deceitful, and we ought to preach and use the word of God, the gospel, to be the light of our ministry. We ought to preach not ourselves, but Christ, but then it gets down to where nobody wants to go, and it says we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. We, um, we bear about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it talks about we're troubled on every side. And, folks, why do we have trouble? Why does God allow stuff to go on in our life that breaks our heart, that knocks the spiritual wind out of ourselves? Um, and He calls it light affliction. And that one day it'll be in a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I'm just going to give you a few things uh, tonight, but I want you to remember the example of Joseph. Uh, he didn't do a thing wrong, it wasn't sin in his life. I know it wasn't perfect. But he was uh, turned by jealousy and his own family forsook him. That that hurts when your own family is a source of torment in your life. And uh, he he said in Genesis chapter 50 uh, that uh, (coughs) you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Thank God for that. Paul prayed three times that the thorn of the flesh would be uh, taken from him and God changed his prayer. And said that through weakness, you'll be strong. And and through weakness, uh, my grace is sufficient. And folks, he he went to heaven, whether by body or by spirit, he didn't know. But I'll tell you this, he knew that God had allowed a thorn in the flesh to come in his life to keep him humble. And folks, I'll tell you what, suffering will humble you. Trouble will humble you. You know, if it wasn't for trouble, we might get a little prideful in our ministries, in our families, in our lives, but God knows how to humble us. And I believe we ought to pray not for humbling, but what we ought to pray for, for wisdom to know that when God knocks the breath out of us, that he's the next breath. And that when God uh, knocks us to our knees, that's a good place to grieve and prayer and ask God to help us to get back up. Because a lot of times we're knocked down and we don't get back up. How many people that are members of Whitfield Baptist Church are home, bitter, broken, discouraged, depressed? I was looking at those pictures back there and it thrilled my heart to see the pictures of of Stephen and and Stephanie being baptized. And then I looked over to the right and there was Brandon McNeese being baptized. Just a little fellow, probably about eight, seven. Just a young guy. He had a smile on his face as he came out of that water. Then whether it was Matthew or Josh, there was a picture there. Then there was a picture at the top of an 81-year-old man, Brother Bill Roberts, that got saved on a Sunday morning with his wife, Irene. And here was her picture being baptized. And I remember I was so scared when I baptized an 81 and 83-year-old that we'd get them back up or they wouldn't die under the water. Amen. And uh, thank God uh, for the blessings. But folks, if you turn against God, there'll be trouble. Depression, discouragement, suicide. How can we explain that? I don't think there's any explanation, but I know one thing, and the one reason that Christians have, why bad things happen to good people is because good people can backslide. I said good people can backslide. I've heard preachers that backslide. We used to have a great orator preacher. I mean, we booked him every year his name was Bill and He got into terrible sin. I won't even go into the, the sin. I talked to Brother Lou Ross the other day or texting with him and, and uh, we were thinking about the days of Forest Hills Baptist Church when he took that church. Now that church doesn't exist. They had to consolidate with another church and take on their name in Stone Mountain. And I thought to myself, the fastest growing Sunday school in the United States of America does not exist. Why? Because there's one man They went into deep sin called the pastor. and Folks, I want to tell you, sin will take you lower than you ever thought it would. It'll cost you more and it'll hurt more people than you ever thought it would. And so number one, I want to tell you why, why bad things happen to good people. I mean godly people. Because those good people can backslide. You can backslide. Matter of fact, I think half this crowd's backslidden before. Amen. I think half of you backslidden right now. No, no, I didn't say that. Amen. I didn't mean that. I just wanted to get your attention see if you wake. awake. You ought to at least give me a little smile then. Said, no, I'm not. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes God allows trouble in our life because of chastening, because of sin. And then we become the victim instead of the victor. Uh, folks, I want to tell you something. You need to realize that suffering will be either your master or your servant depending on how you yield. And I want to tell you something, the greatest thing you can do when God is whipping you is draw out of God. Amen. My mother, she used to sling a wicked switch. Not that she was wicked, the switch was wicked. And I found out that if I ran from her, it hurt more. Because when she caught me, the asthmatic mama she was, she even laid it on more. But if I could hug up next to her, she couldn't get a full swing. Amen. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Some of y'all your heads. Yeah, I learned that early. Amen. So you need to hug up close to Jesus when He starts swinging that switch. When He takes you to the wood say Amen. When He, when He takes the peace of God that passes understanding away from you and gives you the uh, heartache of sin. I want you to look at a scripture: Hebrews chapter twelve and verse six. Hebrews chapter twelve and verse six. I want to tell you. Why our Lord sends trouble in your life? Because he loves you. I'm glad I have a heavenly father that won't let me go. And one of the uh, uh, greatest uh, proofs of eternal security is God won't let you go. He corrects you when you sin. Have you ever been backslidden and afraid to drive to the grocery store? Have you ever been backslidden and afraid to, to go to sleep at night? I'm telling you, friend, I would be. Folks, God help us to fear the living God. Help us to realize that God is our Father which loves us. And I don't believe that he will just let you go into deep sin and shame his holy name. He will correct you because he loves you. Text, Hebrews 12, verse 6. The Bible says this, For whom the Lord loveth, underline that, For whom the Lord loveth, now listen, He's chasing and scourging every son whom he receiveth. Now, folks, he chastens you, but he scourges you. A scourge is rough. And I want to tell you something. Don't ever think that you're going to have it made if you're a Christian and you live to sin, that you just want to live like you want to. Folks, number one, you shouldn't want to, but number two, you ought to be scared to. Say amen. God knows how to get your attention. Aren't you glad he doesn't let you go into sin? He will, he will ring your bell. Many times I tell Brother Larry this and I, and I, and I, and I talk to prisoners and I say, I want to tell you something, I think you're saved. They say, oh, you really do? I said, yeah, I think you're saved because you can't get away with nothing. Praise God, you're in here all the time. I mean, you're in jail all the time. You're an alumni student, amen, and why do you YDC. And he said, well, I hope so. And I said, well, you better make sure, but I want to tell you something, Christians cannot live like they want to. Look at verse uh, seven. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. Amen. For what son is in whom the father chasteneth not? Say Amen right there. I won't tell you why you spank your children. You teach them the wage of sin is worse than the pleasure of sin for a season. Come on, Amen. I mean, really, a lot of times, what a good a good a good spanking will do for a child is amazing. They ought to really feel the pain of them doing it again. They know the. The the payday someday is coming as soon as daddy gets home. And if some of you mamas don't have to wait on daddy, praise God, you just straighten them out right now. And I believe that sometimes parents are guilty of letting letting their children just be their buddy, their best friend. I want to tell you something. They need a buddy and they need a best friend, but I want to tell you what they really need. They need a daddy and mama that says, I'm not going to let you live like you want to. And before you fear God, you can fear me. Amen. That means respect me. When I say no, I mean no. When I say yes, I mean yes. When I say take out the garbage, I mean take out the garbage. Amen. And folks, I want to tell you, something, it's a wonderful experience when you don't have to spank them anymore. Amen. Yes. And I don't know when that is, but I think, I think when they grow up, they'll call you blessed because you wore out their blessed rear end. Amen. And that's where you ought to spank them, not upside the head or, because God's designed a place that has a little cushion. For some of us, more cushion than others. But I want to say this. Look at verse 8. It says, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. That's a strong language saying you're illegitimate. You're not saved. You're not saved. But furthermore, we have, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of holiness. And the Bible says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exceeding exercised thereby. I want to tell you something, friend. It's hard to discipline our children, but it's worth it in the long run. It's hard to to uh, make them make up their bed and clean their room and and, uh, and get a job when they get twelve, so you, they can support you. It's hard, amen. No, it's hard to discipline. It's hard. It's hard to spank a child because they act like they're dying. They're not dying. They're just trying to get out of it. They're they're warfare. The prince and power of this world. Uh, why do we have trouble? Because we're sinful. One man sin entered into the whole world. Adam and Eve sinned, our great-grandparents, and we're sinners. And I want to tell you something. The reason we have trouble is because the world's full of trouble. God's people can stray. God's people can lose their first love. And I'll say this. God's people can be seduced by the sin for a season. And folks, I want to tell you something. I'm so glad that my Father in Heaven loves me back with discipline called tough love tough love I believe in that because God believes in that then number two not only is uh why some why people why why bad things happen to good people is because of chastening but also I believe that why bad things happen to good people is for the furtherance of the gospel I want you to look at Philippians chapter one and verse twelve Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. What time is it? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I love taking the Lord's Supper, and that was beautiful music. There's something about godly music that just soothes your heart. Amen? Amen? Something about rock and roll music that stirs me up. That's why I don't listen to it anymore, except on Monday. No, not really. But look at this. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I have a hard time finding Philippians. It's right after Ephesians. Amen. Know, yeah, thank you, brother. I know I you can find it. I can't. But anyway, look at this. Ephesians, Philippians 1.12. The Bible says this, but I would, would you understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, what's happened to Paul? He's in jail. He's facing the chopping block. He says, the things that have happened to me unto me, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. How about that? You know, most times when people have trouble, they fall apart. The Bible says that when you have trouble, why does bad things happen to godly people? It's for the furtherance of the gospel. We must live um, and and, and minister to others. And what a purpose that is in life is to be an example that the Christian life is not just a bed of roses; it's a warfare, and there's no place to go awol. There's no place to quit, folks. I'm going to tell you something. God has called you to be a good steward, and says, "Well done, thy good and what faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you, uh, I'll make you rule over many. Enter into the what joy of the Lord. There's a joyful, abundance entrance. First Peter chapter one verse eleven to those that are faithful and don't quit when they have trouble. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6-8. through 8. The Bible says, wherein you greatly rejoice. By the way, verse 5 says this. It says, uh, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. You do not lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. But you can lose your testimony. Now I want to tell you this, friend. I believe that God wants to further his gospel no matter what. And I believe with all my heart that here's the key in verse 6. It says, Wherein we greatly rejoice through now for a season we need be. You're in heaviness through manifold temptation. Now, they were being persecuted. They were being burned at the stake. They were being drugged through the streets of Lystra. They were being fed to lions. They were, uh, they were gladiator uh, game objects. They were in catacombs. They were homeless. They were deserted by their own people after they were converted. It was a time that uh, Peter felt like he needed to give them some hope. And he said, hey, manifold temptations. But look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perish. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Of Jesus Christ. We have not seen, yet loved, in whom we, though we see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Folks, I want to tell you something God wants us to shine during trials. He doesn't want us to resign, He doesn't want us to quit, He doesn't want us to get discouraged, and He definitely doesn't want us to compromise and just join the world and go, go world and say, hey, God, you did this to me. I'm mad, so I'm just going to go get drunk or I'm going to go get uh, this or that. Folks, we join the world. No, we must live for others. And folks, I want to tell you why God puts trials in your life. He wants to be proof, positive evidence that God is real. And I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot of times that the world wouldn't notice you if you didn't have trouble. But when trouble comes, they look at you like, hey, what? let's see what he does now. His wife just walked out on him. Let's see what he does now. His children are killing him with disobedience and living like a rebel. Let's see what he does now. He's got cancer. Let's see what he does now. And I'll tell you what, when you do not recant, and when you are faithful, the gospel is feathered. And Jesus is magnified. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. They notice you on the platform of suffering more than they would notice you when everything's great. I mean, if everything's fine and everything's just pleasant, they're going to say, well, I'd serve God too. But a lost and skeptical world is going to say, wait a minute, they're going through hell on this earth by the acre. pardon the expression, they're going through trials and tribulations. Now let's see them recant. Now let's see them compromise. Now let's see them drop out of church. Get mad at the preacher or the deacon. Blame them. We get blamed for everything else, we might get blamed for your trouble. No, just be faithful. And folks, the Bible says it says that you'll be like gold, found to the praise and honor and glory and appearing of Jesus Christ. And yet, believing, you'll be full of glory. The power of God rests on your life. When I closed in prayer yesterday, I read these verses or prayed these verses so I could stay in the boundaries of my designated appointment. But I, I, I read those verses about. Affliction, light affliction. Now what Brother Gary went through wasn't light by any means. Matter of fact, he suffered more than anybody knows. And his dear wife suffered by his side watching him go through that. But I want to tell you something, friend. The last thing he said to me as we were at St. Joseph Hospital, I said, Brother, I want to tell you about New Year's Eve. God used you. He sort of smiled, a little spark in his eyes because that's what he lived for. And I said, yeah, I was going to play 10 minutes, but the sermon was so good and so, 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 so wonderful on the Prince of Peace. I played the whole 40 minutes and knocked out three preachers that was going to preach that night and he just sort of smiled the best he could. He was very sick, very painful. And I said, Brother Gary, God used you to help our church. And you know what he said, he looked at me and this is all he could, the only, all the strength he could muster up, he said, Brother Wayne, I want to be faithful to the end. Amen. I want to be faithful to the end. He had ever reason, humanly speaking, to say, God, why me? It's been from, since my childhood. Why didn't the <laughs> helicopter land with the liver? Why did my kidneys go out? Why did my heart go out? Why, Lord? Sometimes we question why and it's all right to ask why but it's not all right to ask why like you're bitter and you're accusing and you're and you're and you're and you're mad at God folks God has sent you through the fire to let people see Jesus through your life when a goldsmith was was um, uh, smelting the dross off of off of the gold he would he would keep the fire hot and burning and all that dross would continue to uh, taken off of, uh, out of that pot of gold so to speak and then he knew that it was pure gold when he saw the reflection of his face in the gold. And I want to tell you what the Lord wants. He wants himself to be magnified. He wants his gospel, the glorious lie of the gospel to be feathered by you being faithful. So why does God, good people, godly people how bad things happen to them. Romans chapter 5 I think reemphasizes this point that 1 Peter emphasized. I want to give it to you. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says this, therefore being justified by faith. By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad you say it, amen. And by whom also we have access by faith and the grace we're in We stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Everything's great, isn't it? But wait a minute. Verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation. We glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience. Don't ever pray for patience unless you want the trials and tribulation of Job. Then you'll have patience. It says in patience experience and experience hope. But here's the key, verse five. And hope maketh not ashamed. That means you don't lose hope. You don't quit. You don't get casual and callous and compromise. But it says, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. I want you to know, friend, that God is conditioning you through the trials that you go through. With the comfort you receive, 2 Corinthians 4, 1, you comfort others. But I want to tell you the greatest comfort there is. is when a Christian does not quit. When a Christian does not get bitter, we're conformed to his image. And that brings me to my third point. Not only is it for why, why bad things happen to godly people and good people. Number one, it's because of chastening. We get out of the will of God and the Lord has to bring us back. If your kids was to run out that door and go into duggap Gap Road, what would you do? You'd say, well, I'm not going to give you that candy tonight. No, you would have a duck. Praise God, you'd be running out there and you would grab them and they would think you was abusing them because you'd grab them by the left arm and hit them with the right, amen? And you would spank them saying, get out of that road. Why? You're trying to spare their life. Well, that, Daddy, I want to play in the road. It's more thought out in the road. Matter of fact, you told me not to get in the road. That's why I want to get in the road. And no, you spank them. And then the next time they take off that, out of that front door, they remember the pain of that game of going out in that highway, and you saved their life. And so God knows best. And folks, he conditions us and bends the blade before the battle so you can help others. I'll tell you the greatest help is that you glorify God and you don't get mad at Him. Sometimes I hurt in my old age and sometimes I ache and sometimes I'm not as energetic as I ought to be and I'm not in a good mood all the time. And then I'll think about what Brother Gary's going through when he was suffering so many times. And I grab myself real quick and say, who am I to even complain about anything, if this man of God can endure what he's going through. So he inspired me. He motivated me. He shut my complaining mouth, and he never preached a message to, to me on that, but he lived it. He didn't quit. He's faithful to the end. And then, last but not least, tonight, we'll quit with this one. And this is always the truth God always allows bad things to happen to good people, so those good people will be godly. Godlike. Holy. I'll show it to you in scripture. And I want to read a song, that a poem that I found that's really a blessing. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Y'all know it, but I want you to turn there. I want you to look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. How could I ever preach on trouble without reading these verses, amen? In Romans chapter 8, I want you to look at verse 28, and this is sometimes hard for people to understand, but we take it out of context. The Bible says we know that all things work together. That's where we take it out of context. For good to them that love God, and to them that are called according to his purpose. And then look at this verse. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son, that you might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, God allows everything to happen in your life to conform you, sometimes chastening, sometimes conditioning, sometimes a great miraculous change for the glory of God. And I want to tell you something, the last time I was at University of Baptist Church beside yesterday, he called me down to the altar. During the service, all these preachers get. to says, I want you to do me a favor. I said, what is it, Brother Gary? I'll do anything for you. He said, "I want you to call a prayer meeting, and I want, you to, I want you to get that bottle of oil behind that pulpit, and I want you to anoint me and Linda, and I want you to lead all these preachers in prayer, and I want you all to, I want you to call them forward. I want you to lay hands on." I said, "Yes, sir, I'll do that." I said, "When you gonna do it?" He said, "As soon as this, as soon as this, as soon as this singer stops singing." I said, "Okay," and we did it. And we gathered around. He called Miss Linda out of the kitchen because Miss Linda's like a good pastor's wife. She's trying to get a meal for forty preachers that he invited. and We prayed over him. And we laid hands on him. We had faith. But I'll tell you who had more faith than any of us. Him. Amen. He had faith that God could heal him if God wanted to and if it was the will of God. And I appreciate that kind of faith. And that stirred me. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe with all my heart, all my heart, that God allows Good people to go through bad times, that we might be more like Jesus. When is it you pray the most? When things are bad. When do you pray the most? When you're when you're on the way to the emergency room and you're dying of allergic reaction to clam chowder? That'd be a terrible way to go. It'd be embarrassing. How did the men of God die? He had clam chowder. I mean, I, boy, I didn't want to die that day. I'll tell you what, I was about to die fluid. My lungs were filling up with fluid. And I'll tell you something, all the trivial things of this life just passed by. But I want to tell you something, when a man of God like Brother Gary suffered week after week, year after year, I mean 20, 30 decades of suffering and didn't quit, I look at him as a godly man. And I look at him as a God-like man. Because I want to tell you something, my Savior, And he went all the way to Calvary. And he was beat and he was scourged. He was even rejected by his own people that he came to love. And he came unto them, they received him not. And folks, I want to tell you something. His own disciples went to sleep when they should have been praying for him. That will break a preacher's heart. That will break a man of God's heart when you know that you need prayer and they won't even pray for you. But he went all the way to Calvary. And he went all the way to the garden. And folks, I want to tell you something. You're never more like Jesus than when you're faithful. Why does God allow bad things to happen to godly people? Because he wants you to be more like him. He wants to conform you to his image. And he works all things together, not individually. Cancer is not pleasant. Uh, Your liver failing is not pleasant. Heart attacks are not pleasant the things you've been through is not pleasant, but if you respond as God would respond and you glorify God, not give up and not quit and let the storm direct you to a closer walk with God and you get, you come through that valley knowing that he's the God of the valley, then the trouble is worth your time. And so let me just say this and we'll get, we'll, we'll take this up Sunday week. I'll go into Job chapter 42. But I want to tell you something, folks. Job got the greater revelation of Jesus. And I want to tell you something. He was more like Jesus, more like God when he came through that because he realized that that trouble was, he thought, for chastening. And God said, no, it's not because of sin. And he thought, well, maybe it's conditioning. And praise God, if Job's not used today, And his testimony, more than any man in the Bible about trials, I'd like to know who he is. But he knew that he heard about God. Job chapter 42 says, now I see him. And folks, not only did he see him, but he became like him. And I want to say this, why bad things happen to good people and godly people is because he wants to make you more like him. This poem says, Jesus, draw me ever nearer. Jesus, draw me ever nearer as I labor through the storm. You have called me to this passage, and I'll follow through. I will follow though I'm worn. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on the wings of faith. And at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wait. Jesus, guide me through the tempest. Keep my spirit stayed and true. When the midnight meets the morning, let me love you even more. Let the treasures of the trial form within me as I go. And At the end of this long passage, let me lead them at your throne. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the power of, In the ministry of trouble. And God help us, Lord, to realize that God has allowed this trouble in our life, that we might work, that you might work it together, that we might be more like you. God help us to be as Paul and change our prayer sometime and just say, Lord, most gladly rather that the power of God may rest upon me. And Lord, I thank you for the men of God and the ladies of God in this, in this, uh, very service tonight that have not quit. They've wanted to. They felt like it. The devil's tried to accuse them and abuse them and depress them. But God, they're still here. And I thank God that, Lord, through their faithfulness the gospel's going to be feathered, and, Lord, we'll be more like you. At the lost and dying world say their life was a testimony, an inspiration to my life because they did not quit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Hamid said, Preacher, I want to be found faithful and I want to finish my course. I want to keep the faith. I want to fight a good fight. I want to love His appearing and I want God to work in me through these trials. and I know that you want instant relief and I know that you deserve it and praise God we all do because some things are, are hurt. Some things hurt, especially rebellion, especially heartache and, and especially the things that we have to go through. But you'd say, preacher, I want grace and strength, and faith and compassion not to quit. And I want you to pray for would you lift your hand high for prayer tonight God bless you all over this place I must raise my hand I want God to use whatever I have to go through for his glory his honor Father thank you for these that's gathered tonight thank you Lord that they had the proper priority of life and I pray that they got something to help them Lord I pray your God that you'd be magnified and glorified as we know and claim that all things work together to make us more like you. So Lord, help us to yield to the inner treasure in our vessel. Help us, dear God, to one day look at all the things we went through as a light affliction, but for a moment. but God, that we might have the privilege of the eternal, everlasting glory resting upon us because we did not quit and we were faithful Lord bless these that's going through heartache I don't want to be callous I don't know what they're going through but I know their heart's broken Lord I know that you had them listen to this sermon for a reason I pray to God you give them grace and strength love and compassion faith to keep on keeping on until you either change the problem or, Lord, you call us home and we have a more excellent and eternal weight of glory upon our lives because we remain faithful. We'll praise you in Jesus' name.